Pelotero Pickle, episode 82. We do some mystery player advice. We talk Savannah, banana, foul ball outs, and Chris's thread on player performance. Check it out. Pelotero Pickle, episode 82. Didn't realize we are getting that high up in numbers. Quick reminder, I'm going to do this clean today, Chris. Pelotero Pickle. Send us your emails at pickle at pelotero.com or Twitter at Pelotero Pickle. We love getting your questions. We want to be more interactive, so send us your questions, topics, all things like that. Chris, you have your finger up. You feel like you need to say something? No, I had to switch Wi-Fis. I'm sorry. My That's intro right. was poor. That's okay. You, I, I was talking. I wasn't ready. I was talking, so it, nobody even knows you were there until I, I welcome you. Chris, how are you doing today? Yeah. yeah you both look I didn't know if you, you already did that. I didn't know if you did the, are you there? Are you not? Hey, so, yeah, nope. there's that. Nope. It, it wasn't going to be awkward, but now it is. But No, it's not through. awkward because you talked about it. Because I talked yeah. about it. And also, I'm not allowed to move this show because apparently our audio quality has gotten so good. So I have to sit still and freeze because I had a space heater on. It's 30 degrees in Massachusetts today. Yeah, that's, that's not... That ain't it, as they say. It's, I think the high is 84 here today in Tejas, which is better than 30. So I got that going for me. I'm going to just make sad faces the whole day. I had to do uh, I had to do lawn care this weekend, which was great. I love lawn care. If you follow me on Twitter, you know I like to retweet stuff, and Chris hates it. It's part of my brand now. Lawn care, coffee, pizza, baseball. Yeah, but you're not a lawn Golf. guy, so it doesn't matter. You're not a lawn guy. You can't uh, be a so lawn guy. The difference, the, so down here the grass is different. It's all Bermuda grass. So I actually took the front wheels off my mower today or this weekend. I took the front mower. I literally took the wheels off the mower and just pushed it because I had to scalp the. I had to scalp it. I had to, it's my uh, my pre preseason spring training for my grass. I hope it turns green soon. You're not a lawn guy. You can claim to be all you want. You're not. I don't know what that means because I I like cutting the grass. I like edging. I have a weed puller. That I mean. I'm way more of a lawn guy than you, so I got that going. I've on. never claimed to be a. You can't claim to be a lawn guy and then not even. Like, when was the last time you seeded? Well, you don't need to seed Bermuda, but I put rye out in the fall for some yeah, evergreen effect. Put, do you have to do like lime and stuff too? There's different fertilizer. There's different. Throw some nitrogen down to green it up. Yeah. yeah you're definitely not a lawn guy. I'm I'm just coming at you with answers, and you're not. You're just you know, not a lawn guy. I I I could see it. You're Guess what I wore in my head. Guess what I wore in my head this weekend when I was doing lawn care. Uh, a bucket a hat. A bucket hat. A it bucket still hat. doesn't mean you're a lawn guy. Yeah, it is. I'm I'm taking care of my skin while doing lawn care. That's a huge lawn guy move. Just saying, I'm a lawn guy. Part of the brand. Uh, huge news broke last night. Huge. Did you see it? Do you know what I'm talking about? No idea. It's not in the show notes. Albert Pujols back with the Cardinals, one-year deal, huge. I definitely knew that. I didn't think it was huge. I thought it was very pedestrian. So I, I've thought about this because it's not on the show notes. The, the, Pujols is my Brady. Like, Albert Pujols to Bobby equals Tom Brady to Chris. 
Yeah, but the problem, you can't be your Brady because ugh, it's different. He's going to get like 86 at-bats. About? He's going to get 86 at-bats this year. Brady's going to play every game. doesn't matter. I understand. It does not, it does not matter. This is like a uh, fandom thing. I understand you where can't, he fits you in cannot, here, but You can't disqualify my fandom. This is like the only guy I'm a fan of. It's huge news. I get it. It is huge From news. From the standpoint of who it who it stands out to and like it's standing that like it can stand out to you, right? It's huge news to you. Why are you trying but, to be the jury to my fandom? Because the Why? difference is Pujols is going to play one out of every four games this year. Doesn't and he'll matter. get to retire in St. Louis. It'll be great. Maybe they'll win yeah. the World Series. Maybe. So on the levels of huge news nationally, it was probably at like a three. Maybe a two. Huge news to me in the podcast by That's, default. You should have made that more clear. You said huge news. So I was just, I was expecting you to talk about Chris Rock and Will Smith. No, that's in the post show. I thought I thought Poole signing with the Cardinals was way more important than that. Again, on a global national scale, Poole signing with the Cardinals got like a two. And there were stories that got much more attention than that. Yeah, all Twitter wanted to talk about. Was the slap? Let's we'll get to that later. We got a we have mystery player Ukraine. advice. That's gone now. Now we're talking about Will Smith and yeah. slapping Chris Rock. Uh, mystery player advice. So we're gonna get details. I'll read out it's the a details. New segment. Da, 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 da. And we're gonna give blind advice. Except if we know who the players are, then we'll give actual advice because the first one is incredibly obvious. Uh, afterwards, Patrick will give us the names. Player number one. Star player in organization, questionable. Uh, big name, says stunk lately. Um, notoriously struggles to hit in the playoffs. Prone to super hot and cold stretches. Coming off two very disappointing seasons. In 19, he hit 305. I think in 19, he hit like 380 in the first half and 200 in the second half. In 2020, he hit 239. Last year, he hit 165. Currently has 14 strikeouts and 19 at bats this spring training. Cody Bellinger, come on down. What do we got for Cody? I Bellinger? wouldn't have known who it was if you didn't say it. Cody, Be- like there's a. I'm there's, just kidding. I did. I did. The his strikeouts this spring have been staggering. People uh, are texting point, me asking me if he's going to get DFA'd, and I was like, no, he's not going to get DFA'd. At this point, we got to check his eyes. Out of his next Fifty at bats. I would like it's to know. What, I would like to know if his eyes are a problem because 14 out of 19 is a lot. His swings that I saw for the spring have looked big. Yeah, it's like not big, eyes. aggressive. So I would, I would what, honestly check his eyes though. Here's uh, what happens point. to a player. Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna get into this a little bit. All right, here's what mystery, happens to mystery player advice. Go ahead. Here's what happens to a player. I'm not even in the advice part yet. Here's what happens to a player. For players that are really talented and get things done at young ages without really exploring and learning their swings well. What happens is as soon as they have an injury or as soon as things kind of tail off or as soon as they set the bar a little bit too high in their brains about who they're supposed to be and what they're supposed to be able to accomplish physically and then they struggle a little bit, they go looking for answers and they don't know where to find them. So they start listening to everyone. I have insider information in the Dodgers organization. This guy's been trying to change his moves for better part of two years. Okay. Also, he's a late fast guy. Right, I call him late fasts. He moves late and moves fast. So if you use just a, if you lose just a little bit of speed over aging or injury or whatever it might be, you're bound to go through some struggles. So then you start going to 
figure out your swing and now you're trying to figure out your swing in the middle of seasons it's gonna come out ugly so that's what I got for why it's happening now what's my advice to him probably stop listening to people just go play and you gotta reverse engineer the thing you gotta go back to basics and start hitting line drives over the shortstop's head and line drives through the six hole because I think what happens is you have this urgency to create the way that you want to create right the way that you're used to creating meaning going line to line leaving the leaving the yard my advice is start with the line drive through the shortstop and it's my advice for pretty much anybody but even more so in this case and what you could do from a movement standpoint is really just try to minimize everything to the point where you widen out, you're taking away any of the bigger versions of the moves. Because if you're barreling baseballs, those those are going to give you confidence. And then little by little, you can build back into the swing that, or the moves that you want to create. Yeah, I'm just looking at his stats right now. Going from his, uh, his rookie of the year, then he won MVP. 39 homers, 267 average, then he went 25 at 260, then he went 47 at 305, 12 at 239, and 10 and 165. Uh, a lot of strikeouts, too many strikeouts. He wasn't a big strikeout guy. In uh, the, the year he won the MVP, 156 games, he struck out 108 times. So maybe is, is he taking too many pitches? I haven't, I haven't watched enough to know this, but he's getting to two strike counts a lot to be striking out. I've had people reach out to me in the past, say, how do I stop striking out? And I'm like, don't get the two strikes. If you don't have two strikes, you can't strike out. So is he swinging and missing or, or not putting balls in play that he should be? Maybe because he's swinging too big. Um, going oppo, letting the ball travel, the line drive over the shortstop's head for him. Completely agree with that. I mean, you got to start with that foundation of creating time and creating path, creating plane, getting on top of the ball. It seems like either he's messed up or the league got him figured out. So adjustments need to be made. I mean, I, mean, I think the league figures everybody out within the first day they're in the big leagues. If you perform at a high level at any point in your career, they've already got you figured out. They know what you can and can't do. It's not uh, rocket science. Scouting reports don't change very much. They don't veer off the plan. Now, people want to talk about, yeah, the stuff's gotten better, so on and so forth. I think we're talking about a kid here or a player here who really felt like he could do anything, right? And then all of a sudden you start expanding your zone a little bit and you start really not not letting the game come to you as much as you're trying to go create the game. And then it can turn into a downward spiral pretty quickly, especially when you're getting the attention that you get in L.A. There's there's a part of it, and I tell people it's called letting go. It's funny because you have to just let go at some point. Like mentally. Elsa. Huh? Like Elsa from Frozen. Yeah, you love Frozen. You have to just <laughs> let go. <laughs> you have two young girls and tell me where your brain goes. You have to let go emotionally. You have to let go What mentally. if you use that for a walk-up song this year, Let It Go from Frozen? I think you In should use the shark song like Gerardo Parra. Baby shark? Yeah. By the way, Gerardo Parra is still in the show. 
slash with a team. He's still with the Nationals. All because of the Baby Shark song. Like, he's a cult hero in Washington now. That's good. Next guy. Next guy. Player number two. Former high first-round draft pick out of high school. No longer highly touted. His 55 career major league plate appearances, 128 average, one homer, 40% K rate. Average, above average defender, base runner. Fighting to make a big league roster in spring training. He's got three homers and 17 abs or plate appearances. Uh, still young, only 23 years old. I actually don't know who this is. But I'm trying to think if I do, but I don't. Not tough to be like uh, no longer highly, highly touted and you're only 23. I'd be curious to know what the minor league numbers are compared to the major league numbers because if he got 55 total plate appearances in the big leagues and he's not an everyday guy, those are probably sporadic, maybe pinched hit late in games against closers, the the, the starts here and there where you have no timing. Or September. You're, yeah, you're trying to like figure out what the third deck is like and playing with emotion. That's your heart's going crazy. Three homers and 17 plate appearances is good. I'm sure this guy's got that in the tank. If he was a first-round pick, he's he's obviously got athleticism. I think a lot of people get get uh, enamored by the short, the small sample size in spring training, where pitchers might be out there just trying to work on their fastball that day, not really caring about the results, and they're going to groove it, and maybe they're just working on their changeup, and guys are sitting on it. So, spring training numbers can be very not realistic. I think it's because of, of what they do. Spring training is just like loosey-goosey. You line out and you're happy. Good, call them good spring training out, good spring training AB, so you don't have it's to run real. the bases. Yeah, just, no, you lined out, which means everybody saw it. You're, you're full send on, okay, I made hard contact and everybody knows it. I don't care about my batting average at all, and I would rather not run the bases because the infield's really hard after the second inning in Florida or Arizona. Sliding on that thing, oof, 3 o'clock in the afternoon is not fun. Those fields just sit there get baked all day, yeah. just cooked. My advice, you know, I, I, I have some advice for this guy. I do too. You go first. Learn how to hit. You can obviously do everything else. So people don't understand this when I say it, I think, and I feel like I'm in the twilight zone when I say it out loud. Uh, I've been feeling that way a lot lately. I'm, I'm from another planet just general rational thought that comes to my brain is so far from everybody else's um but anyway you gotta learn how to hit man you gotta learn how to sacrifice and concede and pick your spots and and grind it out It, it, it full send on what dante bichette said five years ago six years ago whatever whenever it was he said you need 5,000 at bats before you figure it out if you're 23 years old you you have not had enough at bats. You ha- you don't have enough equity built. You just need to learn, and I think that's the part that we're spending so much time talking to young hitters now about how they move and what their metrics and rotational acceleration and this are. And there aren't a lot of high level conversations happening in the cage till midnight or one o'clock in the morning. That's where I learned how to hit. I learned how to hit in, th- in those conversations. I learned hitting is a conversation. It, it, you you have to you have to talk it out and rationalize it and think about it and conceptualize how an at bat's going to shape out and why a pitcher 
when he shakes with two strikes is throwing you a heater or why this particular pitcher when he shakes with two strikes might be trying to fool you into believing that he's throwing a heater. So there's this cat and mouse. It's, you got to learn how to play chess. It's all cat and mouse. You got to learn how to play chess and you got to learn to take your medicine. It's like when you hit drive driver into the woods in the first shot, you got to be able to say, okay, I'm going to knock this out and go make my bogey and move on. Yeah, that's good. Um, uh, my advice is you're going to go back to minor leagues. You're not going to make the big league team. Don't take it personally. To your point, go down and produce. The only way, the, the thing, the goal is to get up there and stay up there. So go become the best player you can be. Take advantage of every opportunity you get at the minor league levels with the vision that you're going to be back up. And don't be surprised when it happens. Make it your new normal that you're on the path to the big leagues. Don't get emotional when you get sent down because you're going to get optioned down or whatever they call it in spring training. You're not going to stay with the big league team the whole time. And that's fine because you're going to go get more at-bats where you need to get at-bats. My best guess, my best guess for this guy, just because we're homers and I just saw he got sent down, Jaron Durant. Am I right? I think he has more than 55 at-bats. I don't know. Let's hear it. Who who is it? Da 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 da. Mickey Moniak. Mickey Moniak. Okay. Lefty yes. Phillies. Yeah. Um, how does he shake out in that in that lineup? He's gonna go back to AAA. Super talented. He was like, was he one one? He was way up in the draft. Yeah, way up in the draft. Super talented. He's twenty three now. Still young. You got so time. old. No, in 2022, you're old man, 23. <laughs> 40% carry rate in the big leagues is a lot. Yeah, but it's only 55 ABs. Yeah. Dude, when you first get to the big leagues, I there were days I forgot what I was doing. Because there's so many people watching you, and you think everybody's taking notes on it every second that you're doing it. When I finally was like, ah, it doesn't matter. It's just like playing at Town Park. Then I, then I was good. But that takes a minute, especially when, because there's no league above it. There's no, if you spend your whole, your whole life, okay, I'm going to dominate this level. I'm going to dominate this level. I'm going to dominate this level. If you dominate this level, there ain't no higher to go. You know what I mean? There ain't nowhere else to go. I think I know who the next one is. Next one. Player number three, 30 years old. All-star level production as recently as two seasons ago. Batting average tanked, cratered to 198 last year, but he did hit 370 in the last month of the season. Traded to a new team this past month, along with a star hitter as part of a salary dump. I thought I knew it was, but now I don't. New team is looking to enter window of contention and is loaded with young talent. What advice would you have for this player heading into the season? I thought this might have been Gio Urshela. But who went? No. Gary Sanchez, I don't think, is a star player. That's that's what threw me off there. All right, so I think anytime you go to a uh, good team, anytime you go to a good team, it takes like a, a lot of pressure off, right? If you if you go from what was a non-contender to a contender, it actually should take pressure off because you can sit there and, and say, I don't have to be the guy that gets it done every night. Not all the attention's on me now. Depending on what market you go from to what market you go to, it can have an impact, but 
I mean, just go play. That's what I would say. Just go play and let. Just try to be a role model for how you play instead of what your output looks like, right? Instead of worrying about your output, because all you have to do is is be a a veteran presence for the younger players, and 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 really don't underestimate how much you can be respected as an older player when you come in, even if you're coming in from somewhere else, right? Because, or how much you could be looked at or viewed to, to take on that leadership role. Um, I, it's interesting because I always thought those players had to earn that over time with their organizations, right? Or from time served or time spent within uh, the game at, at a certain level. And really, baseball is baseball. So if you've played anywhere and you happen to be older and have more games under your belt than somebody else, even if it's at different levels, uh, you can have an impact on, on the way people are, younger players are, because they have to look at somebody as their, their role model. So I think it's a very free spot to go and, and perform and, and just kind of do your thing and not worry too much about your production. Just be a solid presence every day emotionally. Yeah, feed off the younger players' energy. You're going to try to find that balance between being kind of the mentor to younger guys but also grabbing their energy and riding their wave with them. It's good. I don't know who this is. Um, do you know who this is? We're going to find I, out. I was going to guess uh, Donaldson was a bad guess. But it's not him. I think it's somebody that went to that, and then it's in the National League. It's gonna be the National League. Dun the, uh, part of the part of a salary dump. I'm trying to think of what the salary dumps were. The Donaldson Chapman? one was. No, it's not Chapman. No, because he wasn't with somebody else. And that's not that big of a salary dump either. In the last month, traded to any team. In the past month, did somebody go with? Uh, no, that wasn't a trade. I was going to think that Olsen. I'm trying to think who like uh, who was a star hitter that was a trade, not a free agent signing. Olsen was a trade. Did somebody go with him? I don't or think go so. elsewhere? Not with him to Oakland. Patrick's right. just toying with us. Who is it? Let's see who it is. Suarez. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he really fell off quite a bit. Yeah, but he still hits like a billion homers. Did he hit a, b- a billion homers last year? I love it. That's so crazy that Jesse Winker was referred to as a star player. 31 homers last year. That's Suarez. Jesse Winker's star player. I like it. I knew that kid could hit one. I played against him in AAA. I was like, man, he could hit. He's a weird cat, though. He's loud. So am I. Suarez was an all-star. He probably should have been the next year, too. This dude Juliano's. still hits homers. I think he just tries to hit yeah. too many homers. He tries to hit a homer every time he, he's up at bat. I feel like if he just hit a little bit, he'd be ni- he'd be nice. Last two years was 202 and 198. So yeah. COVID, COVID year wasn't good to him, and he didn't bounce back. But he still hit 40 homers between the two years. Between 46. 46 between the two yeah. years. Um, yeah. Yeah, so he's, he's, got pop, he's got pop in the bat. He went to the Mariners, right? Yeah. Kyle, they ask who asked Kyle Seager to come back? The Rangers to the see Rangers play his brother. I like that. I like that. Said, I'm good. All right, we got a next topic. You had a, a thread on Twitter. Ooh. How how do you feel about your engagement on that on that thread? 
I mean, you were talking to me about engagement, and uh, all I have to do is put out some fire like that, and BAM! Well, yeah, because you, <laughs> you, you put a tweet out, and then you just weren't replying. So, I'm like, you gotta, if you're going to engage... No, I, I replied to the tweet that I put out. I, I was trying to start a new thread on the, the thing, because I didn't, I didn't want to give... Uh, I didn't want to give like a whole discussion about scissor kicking. I want to talk about what makes a good hitter before we start. I don't even know how, how that first one started, but you like, Oh, you got to engage. Yeah. I engage all the time. My favorite thing about that, that tweet, cause I, I offered like 10 different things that make a hitter great. And then nobody really replied. No, but that was the whole point. I was trying to start up a conversation. I agreed with you on all the things that you said. I was waiting for Joseph Cunha to give us an answer. Got it. He right, didn't well, this, give us anything. This is uh, this is the, the the tweet of the week new segment. Did I call it like that last week? Tweet of the week. Did you so, see somebody gave me the uh, gave me the award for tweet of the year? And they said, and I said, man, that's, that's what nice. an honor. And and or baseball tweet of the year. And I said, is there an award for that? And uh, and they should... said they were, they were calling it eight months ahead of time because you know it's still March April. It's still so. early, yeah. So premise of your tweet. One of the major reasons is about player potential, why they don't perform to their potential. Let's talk about it. What do you got? I'm just annoyed. I'm annoyed. I'm super annoyed at what I watch on a day-to-day basis. It's it, it's tired. I hate it. I hate how many young players get railroaded, get their careers railroaded. And you know what? Some of them probably deserve it because they don't go about it the right way and they don't put in effort in the right places. But... I hate when I see kids that have great intent and and people shatter them. It's look, we can talk about it at the college level, we can talk about it at the high school level. It, it it's it happens in the pros too, don't get me wrong. It happens everywhere cuz I think we have a lot of people a lot of people in baseball don't understand that what true leadership qualities look like and I, I'm not saying that I do or don't, but I'm fortunate enough to have really successful people in my life that point out what real leadership looks like. And I don't see it at all in baseball because there's like this magic formula or allure or this thought that we have to test kids and, and see what they're made of and their competitive toughness. And I'm not saying like, look, there's a time and place to, to get in somebody you know, get into somebody and, and let them know, knock them down and keep them humble, whatever, keep them grounded, whatever you want to call it. But without communication with these young players, literally just putting all the pressure on the world on them to make them feel like the outcomes of how they play on any given day will define how the rest of their career goes or what their opportunity is going to be like on the next day. Like, lineup construction should have nothing to do with how many hits you got yesterday. Ever. Ever. That's part of my bet. You go now. I want to hear what you have to say. I, I'm, I'm going to agree with you on just about everything here. It, there was one thread about communicating with, with players when they're not going to be in the lineup or if they're not – if they're not an everyday guy showing up to the field every day, not knowing if you're going to be in the lineup is horrible. It's just, it's, I did not experience that until Worcester tornadoes, 2007. So 
made it all the way through high school, all the way through college, and didn't experience it until pro ball. And the thing I didn't understand was I was a starter the year before, came back, kind of thought I was going to be the starter the next year. Some they got they brought somebody else in in spring training late, who ended up taking the job, but nobody told me, like nobody let me know, like hey this guy. But he didn't. That, that scenario was so messed up because he didn't even take the job, right? The whole middle infield was theoretically in play, right? So this is a perfect example. You're, you're you're right on the money. I remember this like it was yesterday. There was no assigning a position. We had twelve position players. We didn't. Nobody was getting like assigned positions. I mean, if you had to look around and say, okay, Colabel is going to play first. Uh, who was playing third base? Rios at the time. No, he had gone. He had, he had left. It was uh, we had the. Latin kid, I can't remember his name, but he could bounce around. I mean, realistically, we had no regulars there. Keith and Josh were still there in the outfield, but even yeah. in the outfield, there was a rotation. But it became like a revolving door, and all of a sudden, it turned into the worst team in the history of the Worcester Tornadoes because nobody knew what they were supposed to be doing. Your only job is show up on time, play your butt off, and be a great teammate. If you do those things, you don't ever have to worry about your job. Because the results are going to show up at some point. They're going to be what they're going to be. And we can win with you hitting 230 or we can win with you hitting 330. It don't matter. As long as you're playing for the people around you. And I'm going to expand on what I was saying. So, like, in this instance, when in your situation, it was bullshit, first of all. Right? Because it was a decision was made from somebody that had nothing to do with position players that they wanted to play the other guy for a minute. And then hey, we're only going to give you run every fourth day or whatever it is. And even then, we're going to put it put you in situations where, like, you're just – we're going to try to make you fail, basically. And it's such crap. And I see it all the time. Like, let's just look at it from the college perspective, right? If you recruit a guy and bring him into your, pro, and you, bring him into your program, it's on you if he doesn't perform. It's not on them. It's on you. You recruited the wrong guy. So stop writing kids off when they get into your program and, and saying that they're not equipped to play for you. Like, I'm hearing stories that are just devastating to, to the game, to humanity. Like, why are we trying to motivate with fear? It's not sustainable. Motivating through fear is not sustainable. If anything, it'll just cause resentment. And, like, we're talking about establishing positions out on the field when – if you change your lineup every day, how are you going to establish anything? Nobody knows who they are. And then you don't communicate with them. And then when they fail, you don't go put your arm around them and say, hey, you're okay. Which is like the biggest thing that people need. I only was able to survive professional baseball because Rich Gedman used to tell me you're okay. Four times a day, six times a day, eight times a day. I know when I suck. I know when I'm bad. I don't need anybody to let me know that it's, it's worse. Like, it's so stupid. It's so dumb. And then I have to talk to these kids, and I, I, I hear what's going on in their brain, and I know what's going on in their brain because I felt it. You know, my first experience sitting on the bench a little bit was in independent ball when I first started, right? I didn't know how to deal with that. And then I'm thinking to myself, oh, I got to get two hits every time I play. And then when you do that, you now put all this unnecessary pressure on any given at bat you're 0 for 2 to start a game and you think your your life's over you know what i mean and then god forbid you go 0 for 8 it's just it's so asinine to have to sit here and see people not understand how to lead young vulnerable emotional kids 
like look you, nobody's saying you have to like make them like you but at the end of the day you have to make them respect you and the only way you can do that is by communicating if you tell a kid flat out hey look i'm gonna try to get your chances this year they're gonna be few and far between because i gotta go with the guys that are ahead of you then so be it it is what it is at least the kid he can hate you but he, he can't not respect it sorry rant rant yeah yeah well the the only reason i brought up my my personal story was i wanted to talk about some communication stuff where I wasn't getting the playing time I wanted. I went up and talked to the coach. I felt like my effort was there. I felt like, you know, I was showing up on time. I was working hard. If I didn't play, I was I was doing some running and stuff to make sure I was staying in shape. I was like, I was I was not in a good place mentally, just trying to figure out what the heck was going on. So I, I talked to the coaches, and they brought up effort level, and I was like, okay, let's let's see what okay. So I did not change a single thing. And then the coaches came up to me and like, hey, yeah, I really noticed you really picking it up lately. I was like, okay, so now we're just straight up lying. You're not paying attention. It's, this is bad. The whole situation is bad. And then the, fin- the last week I was with the team before I got released, they started me like four games in a row and I was hot. Like hit a homer, had multiple, multiple hit games, driving runs in, playing good defense, cut. I was like, what just, what just happened? <laughs> like I thought I just earned the job and you released me. It was hilarious. Well, that um, was it was just a that weird was an situation. That that whole year was that was the Twilight Zone revisited. But I mean, it's situations like that. So the uh, the situations like that where it's just a it's like things aren't adding up. Something's off, and that's a situation where a culture change, getting moved to a new team, can be the biggest breath of fresh air and can be a good thing. Because if it's dysfunctional, if there's a dysfunctional situation, you don't want to be there. Well, the worst scenario is when people are lying to you and you know it, right? Because then you can't trust anything anybody says. That, and that was the case that you, you know, with you. It, it's, it's so And also funny, the coach, the, the pitching coach of that team, who I'm, I'm not a big fan of, any day that I didn't play, I'd be there supporting teammates, feel like I'm trying to contribute in whatever way I can. Going through the handshake line after games, he'd be like, thanks for showing up. Thanks for coming. I'm like, you dick. This guy was just trying. The, the, the night I got released, I beat him to the punch. I said, hey, thanks for having me. And then I got released that night. It was great. He did it for like two weeks straight. I'm like, this guy. It was, it, uh, it was impressive. When the, scary, the scary part about all of it is that people generally are a product of their environments and how they learned how to play and came up or whatever. And the lack of empathy and compassion toward other kinds of personalities to me is astounding at times. I just don't understand how people, because the, the implication from those human beings is there's only one way to thrive or survive in life. And it's the way they did it. When you look around and there's billions of people on the planet and different ones are having different levels of success in, in different industries. And not to mention more often than not, the people in question are the ones that aren't even having success and they just keep repeating the same egregious mistakes over and over again. It's like, like I heard a story a couple weeks ago about, uh, just, a, you know, a coach was really frustrated that, that the team was the same. And I was like, well, nothing, you haven't changed anything. If you don't do anything different, they're going to be the same. I, my text thread after was, if you don't, if you don't change it, it's going to be the same. If you're the same, 
then you're not different. It, like it was so stupid. My texts were I, I sent a bunch of yogiisms. Do you want do you want to hear them? I have better ones than the ones I just said. Go for it. I have if to look them up though. We'll have to right. look them up. We'll go push on that. The uh, next topic: Savannah bananas are chaotic. These, the, I love what they're doing. I can't think of the guy's name that started it. Um, they have a new rule that if a foul ball is caught by a fan, it's an out. And from a traditional baseball sense, this is absolutely absurd. Like, this is insanity. But think about it from a fan perspective. Bringing your glove to the game is now meaningful. And the fan engagement, the, the video that was on Twitter, the, somebody caught a ball and the place erupted. The place went bananas, if you will. And I just think it's, it's I mean, it's like the Harlem Globetrotters of, of baseball. That's there's exactly nothing, what it is. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing I, wrong I see that. people commenting like, I would travel to see these guys. They're, they're going to be, this is going to be a road show. And they're going to go around the country playing baseball, having the best time ever. It's going to be great. They are through and through entertainers, right? It's Yes. I would equate it to the circus or the Harlem Globetrotters, right? And I don't mean that in a bad way. From a standpoint, it's not, we're not playing, like, let's stop pretending we're playing baseball because that's a different game, right? Like, this, it's another game. And I, I know it looks and feels like baseball, but when you have a guy that, that walks and you have to throw the ball to nine different fielders that before one, he that starts right. Like, they're just, and look, I, I appreciate the fact they're trying, but we let's please not try to call that baseball, okay? Because it's not. Well, they're calling it, it an enter- ball. It, it is an, ball. yeah, it's an entertaining thing, and, and I appreciate the fact that they're they're doing stuff to to engage people and get people to the field, but look. How do you feel about the twerking umpire? I, good about that? I love all of it. They asked me, you know, they asked me to manage the uh, party animals last year, right? They told me they'd offer me like a pat in the butt and a high five. And Do I was you think like, you would enjoy that environment? No. I mean, I, I could laugh and smile. I, I could never do it as a. I'm not like know, an actor. I, I don't think I would. I, I think I would. It might grow on me, but I. I feel like I take it. I'm too serious for that. Sure, exactly. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I think the fact that you are, uh, you know, I'm a consigliere. I'm an instructor at heart. I I know what I know about the game, and I, I want to help people. You know, not hit the same landmines that I did, or or when they hit them, be able to shorten the effects of them. So, I, I can't. I can't intuitively be able to help there. Right. I'm just standing there to write a lineup card or whatever. And I, and even that probably, the lineup card is probably different. And again, it, I don't, it's not even like you're playing to win because when you're, when you're entertaining, it doesn't matter if you're winning that so much of, of what we enjoy and appreciate about the game is how we build competitive advantages through whatever we can build them through. Right. And, and the, the chess match that is baseball, the logical brain, blah, blah, blah. And there's not much of that there. Now, again, that being said, Kudos to them for creating an environment that people want to take part in and and that there are players that are willing to participate in. Like if you're if you're a kid who graduates college and you've got an opportunity to go do that as a job, I mean, is it better than independent ball? Well, I, you're probably not going to the 
you're probably not going to the show from the Savannah Bananas. You know what I mean? <clears throat> They've so had guys get picked up. They have had guys get picked up. To other to, independent leagues, right? Yeah, independent. And I, I believe they've had some affiliated guys. Okay. Well, that, Cause like, in the, that case. the kids, they're pretty good baseball players. But, it, I mean, it is it's pure entertainment. They're putting on a show. This is, to your point, the Ringling Brothers have come to town, turn on the lights, put on a show. Which is... It's, they, they're it's, packing the stadium. They're selling it's beautiful. beers. They're yeah, selling hot dogs. That's what Go minor league baseball. Them. That's what minor league baseball has to be, to really attract an audience. Right? It ha- I've been telling people this in in Europe. I've been telling people this in the United States. Like, you want to build a cool minor league experience, make it make the game not matter. <laughs> Literally, make the game not matter at all, and make the athletes not matter at all. Like the only time. The only time a minor league player theoretically matters, and this is what p- people don't understand. They're like, oh, we need to protect the players. Like, dude, you are just a number. Like, the only time you matter is if you're top three prospect in the organization. <laughs> That's it. I remember we had to stop a game at New Britain because uh, Portland had uh, Xander, Jackie, and, and somebody else were all on the same. Who was there? It was Xander, Jackie, and... One of their other guys at the time Mookie? that was down there. No, Bryce was there. Mookie, what? Mookie wasn't there yet. Bryce Brents, who eventually didn't necessarily. I mean, got the big league, but but didn't necessarily pan out the way people saw him doing. So, but Jackie slid or slipped or coming around second because the, the the infield was too wet, and we literally had to stop the game for like forty five minutes to go fix the field. The the Sea Dogs like called the Red Sox. The Red Sox called the Twids. The Twids called the Rockets and said we're not playing on that field tomorrow. So they had to fix the box. I was like, you've been letting Chris Colabella play on this field all year, but Jackie Bradley slips coming around second, and you know the world's ending. Um, and look, I get it, right? The 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 whole concept behind minor league baseball is. It's for like 10 guys. Like minor league baseball is for like 10 guys in each organization. The other 140 are there to be their support system. You know, so it is what it is. And maybe it's 20, maybe it's 30. And maybe you become one of those guys if you create your own opportunity or whatever. But, uh, yeah. We just had a Tom sighting. We just had a Tom sighting on the pickle. Hey, Tom, if you can hear us. You got to Patrick. Tom. Producer Patrick's dad just walked through. And I saw okay. him. I can't believe you uh, sold him out on the post show. show. That was great. I missed Tom. Post, post show. You're, here are my tweets. This is how we're going to start our post show. Yeah. Or not my tweets, my text. Uh, it was in reference to a baseball game yesterday. And you're like, what a sad game. And I was like, well, it's always sad. And I said, if you're not good, then you're not good. If you're bad, then you're bad. I said, if you do everything the same, then nothing is different. If you don't try to change, then you're the same. I said, you can quote me on all those. Those are your yogis. <laughs> those are my yogiism. All right. Uh, I mean, there, I thought I knew you were expecting. I was, I was ready to move on quick there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. NCAA tournament. We got uh, a blue blood final floor. Final four. St. Peter's Cinderella run is over. They pumpkined. Pretty cool run. 
for a 15 seed. For all the crap that everybody was talking about how different this NCAA tournament is, the same four teams are in the finals. The same four teams. Like, you know, pluck a like pluck a Pac-12 or a Big 12 school and put them in, and it's the same. It's the same Final Four every year. It's always good. That first weekend is always so incredible. It's way it's better than back else. to back to back. It's games nonstop, upsets, highlights. It's just a, a drinking through a fire hose situation. St. Peter's good for them. The f- Happy for the f- them. The first weekend of March Madness is awesome. After that, it gets whatever. Um, Which is less games. The the, the, the yeah. games this weekend were kind of duds. Where they're all duds. St. Peter's, their their magic fairy dust kind of ran out. Duke just came out hot against Arkansas. The other games I can't even remember. I knew St. Peter's was Villanova. In was it, who did Villanova play? They played uh, just a grind, just a low scoring. Uh, it's Houston. Houston was fun to watch. But Houston's just, really Villanova's good team. defense is just well, Villanova's just a, just gonna if they if they're up by five they're up by twenty. It's just, I knew St. I knew St. Peter's was in trouble when they missed like their first three shots and two of them were like layups because when you you don't have to play perfect against those teams early but you can't let it get away from you and that because then when it gets away from you and I mean to that point they hadn't been down by more than seven or more than I think it was six against anyone before North Carolina, and then all of a sudden you're down 12 or 14, now you start put pressure on every shot. So they they played their butt off. Like if the, if the game, if they didn't let the first half get away from them, it would have been much closer because I think you would have put a little bit of pressure on North Carolina, which is basically what they did to everybody else. And I, I, I appreciated St. Peter's. I was excited to watch them play, and uh, it was unfortunate how it ended because I think it would have been really cool if they – if they if they just kept the game close yesterday, like it, to your point, nothing was close. Kansas was easy. Was it Kansas uh, against Miami? Is that who they played? Yeah, and but the, the, Kansas I mean, actually looks really good. I haven't watched any of their games I mean, this year, but they were the best team in the country. Them and Gonzaga were the best team in the country all year, like start to finish, like in my opinion. Um, and that's that's the weird thing about the seeding too is like. You sit there and you look at it and you're thinking to yourself, like, North Carolina's an eight seed, right? So in theory, you're you're if you're an eight seed, you're between national ranking of twenty nine and thirty two. And it's like really unfair. It was like Michigan was a ten seed or eleven seed and they were in the top five in the country to start the year. Like the rankings are just they're so arbitrary. Um at the end of the day, like, you know, culture experience great coaching um they all matter i north carolina you have a favorite uh, i duke's gonna win it's just meant to be it's everything is teed up for a you know coach k playing north carolina this is the first time duke and north carolina are ever playing each other in the tournament did you know that for real yeah they've never played against each other in the tournament that's crazy i did not know that yeah. Uh, it would have been just way cooler if it was the finals and Coach K got to walk off in the sunset with a national championship. Got to get there. North Carolina. Still got to get there. I know, but I'm just saying. I don't saying, know enough like, about he, any he's team. done after this. My wife wants uh, Duke to win. She's like, she's all in on the Coach K story. Yeah, it's. Uh, I wouldn't be upset a, about it. Some people Duke, don't really don't like Duke him. Kansas, <laughs> it's a Duke Kansas final, and 
That's all she wrote. UNC like, Villanova li- would be a major letdown. I used to hate. No, it'd be it would be a repeat from the year that Villanova hit the big shot. So it would be kind of a cool final storyline. In terms um, of the the available teams right now, that'd be a letdown. Honestly, North Carolina is very Jekyll and Hyde. Like when they were up twenty five against Baylor and then almost gave it up, people were like calling for Hubert Davis's head. And now, I mean, everybody's like, "Oh, what a great coach!" It's so funny. So funny, the populace. Next topic. Took the Twitter streets by storm last night. <laughs> Apparently Will Smith slapped Chris Rock over a joke about his Jada Pinkett Smith's hair and G.I. Jane. I had no context, no understanding of, of what was happening, that Jada Pinkett was dealing with some hair-related health issues, we'll call it. So like her not having hair was it was a storyline which I had no understanding of. When he said the joke, I thought she was actually going to be in GI Jane, so I didn't know why Will Smith went up on stage and slapped him. I think the slap itself looked weird. His foot, his like his footing was was off, and it looked like it was a fake slap, but I guess it was. And then he was screaming at Chris Rock from the from his seat. Did you see the unedited video yeah. of it? Keep keep her name out your mouth it was it looked a little intense not gonna lie any comments yeah. on it i have a very low care factor a lot of people I, are upset that violence is normalized and it's on me on tv so, i love I, will smith so whatever will does i'm down with and and the funny thing is is this guy's I, i'm gonna make a bold statement arguably the most iconic actor of our generation and and granted he hasn't won like behind leonardo dicaprio maybe um Will's done everything. I think he's spectacular. He's done so much for the world and community and people. And, and he, he, he really does talk about like sharing love a lot. And it, it's, it happened about five or 10 years ago that people went in on him hard about his relationship with his wife. And I, I don't know why it got publicized where they had like an open relationship. And then isn't his son, well, they, they is, went on, they went on the internet and talked about it very openly. That's yeah. Why it yeah. Got but it, and then his son, his son, uh, is, I think he, he's homosexual, right? Like I, I, or something like that. And I don't, I don't, pay but people have gone in really hard on Will Smith and I hate it. And, and I think that's kind of what he's referencing is like, it it was it was a weird situation. Um, I I like both guys. I think Chris Rock's funny. Um, here's the weird thing about situations like these, right? Like, does anybody really know when the line is getting crossed? Like, who gets a hall pass? Who doesn't? It, it, like, certain things affect certain people certain ways, right? And I think there's who am I to tell anyone how they should feel or shouldn't feel about something, right? All I can do is try to, I don't know, help the world understand both sides of the story, right? He felt offended by it, right? At first it seemed like he was was chuckling. Well, it looked like he was chuckling and she was not, right? When when they did the joke, like he was kind of laughing and then he saw her, and he went into, you know, full protector mode. I guess. Um, well, there's a there's if if somebody's making a joke at your expense, you can choose to roll with it, or you can take it personally. 
There's kind of like the, the two the two paths you can take. Now, in this situation where you don't know what her emotional mental state was going into that evening where she just lost her hair, ended up shaving it. It was like trying to be empowered, but you don't know behind closed doors what that's been like, what kind of a what kind of situations have been occurring around that personally at their home. So you put it, it's tough to live your life that publicly. So with his kids, with himself and his wife and their whole life's on the table. And that's, it's a lot. So you get somebody making a joke about it. And when you, when the life is on the table, you don't know, like, am I allowed to talk about that? Am I not? Where's, to your point, what is the line? Well, and, and I it think was crossed. We, <laughs> we figured I, out it was crossed last night. But I, I, in some capacity, I respect the whole situation and the way it played out, right? Because Chris Rock was doing his thing, just trying to be a comedian, which is what he is. And comedians always have to toe that line of, you know, did I cross it or am I right there where I need to be? And I, honestly, most people looked at that and were probably like, it's not that bad. And and but again, it's not. It's not my place to judge whether it was bad or not. Like if you if you have enough feel, you say, "Well, the guy's a comedian," and and I think that's the the pass that comedians get more often than not. But now we're living in a time where it's like, "Oh well, you know, he said I can't believe he would say this." Well, it doesn't matter what you think, you know. It doesn't matter what you think. So it, it, I respect topic. Will. I respect Will though, and I respect Chris Rock. So I'm honestly like, maybe it was something that, like, needed to happen for society. Maybe, (laughs) maybe that's that's the moment that will galvanize our country and bring us all together. (laughs) Uh, Nick Castellanos, last topic. He signed with the Phillies, along with Schwarber, and uh, we didn't go over other signings. Correa to the Twins. Yeah, nobody cares. Um, yeah, Castellanos. He just—he's got this knack for delivering hits in moments where the announcers are are trying to be very serious. Um, it's incredible. It's incredible. There's an apology happening for a pitching Pete coach Walker. for the. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't. I don't know if friend of yeah, you played for. Yeah, Pete, Pete was I, I love pitching Pete. coach I for the Toronto. Wonderful human, and so there's the made a mistake. Yeah, yeah. The the formal announcement or the formal apology was kind of being aired, addressed, and what do you know? Nick Castellanos pokes a pokes a single. the The previous one was the the announcer was caught on a live mic, and then he hit a homer, and just the the delivery of it, where they're they're trying to make this profound statement, but then the ball gets hit, and they jump right into their play by play call. It's like, and yep. there's a deep drive to left by Castellanos. Uh, I can't think of another situation where this happened. I mean, baseball, the pace of play, where there needs to be dialogue between pitches and there's stories being told. Is there another situation in sport where, where this type of thing could happen? You got like Vin Scully like telling us this random story of, that he got from some guy in BP, and then things happen. It's just it almost feels like uh you know the whole theory about the simpsons being written by a guy that's like a future a time traveler 
Because the guy in the, in the Simpsons, he like predicts everything. The Simpsons. Sorry. Are, do, you know, like, no. do you know the depths of that, that conspiracy theory? Nope. Like Homer Simpson solved some like particle theory formula on the chalkboard in an episode like 10 years before it was actually discovered. It's it, wild stuff. Predicted yeah, Trump winning the election. Care. So Castellanos is on some like some weird timeline situation where he gets to come up when these things are happening and gets hits when it's happening. Yeah. It's well, he it needs to be after, like a, after his quote be, in the press for the other day was great. He's like, I don't have a college degree. So I get hits. I like it. There needs like to be Nick. I, Nick's always been a good kid. I got to play against him a lot. Double A, triple A show. I like Nick. I told hits. my, I told Mikey bats to, I told Mikey bats to, send along the message that I, I didn't have him in my top candidates for Triple Crown. I don't know if he relayed it. He's still he's still there for me and playing in that ballpark is not gonna hurt him. I feel like there's I feel like just there's a lot of really deep teams this year. Maybe it's just spring and it's the the optimism. Hope springs eternal situation going on for me. But I, we'll I feel find like out. we're feel like we're lining up a good season. We'll find out. On that note, all right. Take us out. On that note, baby, fickle out. <laughs>